Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And we got a full list of things to talk about today. We took just over a week off, and boy, did we miss some stuff. So we'll start with uh, what was pretty recent. It was yesterday or two days ago. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers have been doing stuff. Um, is the best way I'm going to describe it. been doing stuff. So we'll start with the wavings, I guess. So they, they are over the cap. If you don't include LTIR right now. Which is hilarious. With LTIR, they are under it. But so they need to take Alex Petrovic off the injured reserve list. And so to do that, they waive Ryan Spooner and Ty Ratty. Um, Ryan Spooner, if you don't remember, is who they tr- got in return for Ryan Strom. Who they got in return for Jordan Eberly. <laughs> All one-for-one deals. <sighs> Twitter had a meltdown about this, and I think rightfully so. Yes. It, like, like I don't know, like, we said, like, Jordan Eberle is a first-line winger in the NHL. Ryan, don't grow on trees. Ryan Strom is a third-line winger in the NHL? Yeah, I'd say that's fair to him, and Stro- or Spooner is apparently not an NHL player since no one claimed him. It, which, like... It's not the worst, way, or best no, way to value no, players. But he is... He, like, I, I... He's fine. So the Spooner thing, I don't know, his contract is definitely too much for what he's been producing. Yes. But if you go and look back at um, his points. Yeah, he's put up decent points over the years. Last year he said, so you go, he has a couple couple years uh, where he played 20, 23 games, and he, played, he put 18 points in 29 games. He then put up 49 and 80 with Boston, 39 and 78 with Boston, both respectable. Last year, he goes 25 points in 39 games and 16 points and then gets traded to the Rangers at the deadline and gets 16 in 20 games. So he had 41 points in 59 games last year. So he gets a big $4 million per contract. He goes two points in 16 games this year with the Rangers. So they trade him to the Oilers. I can see why the Oilers thought he still has something in him. But why are you giving up on that so early? Yeah, the problem with Spooner is... He's, like, the most classic example I can think of is how point totals are so heavily skewed by what you do on the power play. And then he goes to Edmonton, a power play that's already loaded with left shots, doesn't find a place, and then it doesn't work out. Yeah, like... Like, he is, he does have passing talent, but he's just not, like, a 5-on-5 driver. No, yeah, and his, his contract was definitely too much. I... I do sort of get what they're seeing in terms of a player that could probably provide more than two points in 16 games, but then yes. he's only provided three points in 24 with Edmonton. And I mean, part of the reason is, but I don't think they really took him off the top line. Or off the fourth line, off sorry. Off the bottom line, um, yeah. He's just like, I don't know how you expect that to work, and then you just give up on the guy like that. I mean, so you look at... Yeah, I just pulled up uh, 2017-2018 shot uh, and entry and exit contributions and he's real good at it he's a like, decent player yeah like shot contributions he's in um you know the 90th percentile 77th percentile and 30th percentile then entries he's in roughly the 70th percentile and exits he's also 70 to 80th percentile now go a year ahead so then you go to his next year and i can try i can post this uh with the podcast yeah i can post this tomorrow or whenever this goes up but he just absolutely it just dropped off a cliff. cliff. So his exit numbers are still good. His entry numbers are significantly worse, but still mediocre, around 50th percentile. And his shot contributions are just bottom. 
They're just terrible. 20th percentile. Like, I don't, like, it's it's a weird case. I just, A, how do you turn a guy, how do you turn Jordan Everly into a guy that you wave and has three, the five points in 39 games or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Actually, they didn't turn Jordan it, Everly into nothing. It's worse they, than yeah, nothing. Yeah, they turned him they, into negative money. Three something on the book still because he's buried in the AHL. Yeah. I think it's two because they retained or whatever, but still. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, you look at two years ago, when he was at Boston in 2016 and 2017, those numbers were pretty good, too. So, like, I don't know. I just, I don't even know what to make of it. Like, I have no idea. Like, on one hand, I kind of get what you're doing, but on the other hand, you didn't do it right. Because, like, if you're going to try and revitalize his career and get him back to some of the good numbers he had before, you got to do more. You have to tell your coach, and you have to be in sync with your coach on that. And so part of the problem was they made this trade, and then five days later they fired their coach. Fired, yeah. And he, Spooner is not a uh, Hitchcock guy. No, he's not. So I could imagine us, like, he's not, I don't think Spooner's all that good, but he's not, like, a terrible player. So I could imagine a scenario where you kind of juice his numbers with top six usage and then power play time and whatnot. But I don't know, that clearly didn't happen here. No, it just, it just goes to show how short-sighted. Yeah. This Oilers team has been mismanaged. Like, they're over the cap. They have a bad. They don't have a good team already. Um, the asset that they had that was supposed to bring them in a real good player or keep them under the cap or whatever has now turned into someone who is costing them on the cap and not even playing for their team. It's just mind blowing. It's like impressively bad. Yes. Like I don't know how many times we can just repeat. How does Peter Shirelli still have a job? But I just going to keep on doing it until it's not true. Like, the other guy he waved was Ty Ratty to make space. Funny enough, Ty Ratty was supposed to be Edmonton's guy in terms of the wingers this year with McDavid. Yeah, he's going to be their go-to winger. Yeah, and uh, he had... I kind of can't believe he got didn't get claimed. I was surprised, too. His underlines aren't very strong. I had posted a thing yesterday about saying how I think I wanted Ottawa to claim him. He's 25 years old. He has eight points in 29 games this year. Not great, especially when he played a chunk of the year with McDavid. Yeah, it's nothing special. He's got 27 but... points in 78 games, but at the same time, like I was looking at, again, I was looking at some of his numbers, entries, exits, whatever, and, you know, they're better than guys like Magnus Pajarvi for Ottawa. Yeah. Like, I can't believe a bottom team didn't take him. He makes 800k on salary cap. Like, he, he's, he doesn't cost anything. Yeah. And he's on a one-year deal, so... Worst comes to worst, you send him down, and he either gets claimed or uh, he goes to your minor league team and makes a minor league salary and helps your age out team out. Like, yeah, but I guess he'll he'll be doing that in Bakersfield now. True, yeah. Like he's uh, he's doing decent at five on five. He gets like no power play time, but he's been basically a league average producer, which obviously huge caveat next to Connor McDavid. But I don't know, he's young-ish. He seems like a guy worth taking a shot on. It's not the worst. I don't. I just. Like he wouldn't change your franchise. Or no. Anything, I just. If you're a bottom tier team, I don't really see why. If you truly have nothing better to do, you might as well give him a shot. Yeah. I think. And there are many teams in the league that really don't have anything better to do. So. Yeah. As I said earlier, they activated Alex Petrovic off of IR, <laughs> which was their most reasonable move, and then they acquired Miko Koskinen. Not acquired. Resigned Miko Koskinen to it. Speaking of cap troubles. Three-year, $4.5 million extension. 
With a no trade clause. You with a that? modified no trade clause. Or no move clause, according to Cap Friendly. Even yeah. better. So, ten teams or whatever I think it is. Uh, I'm on. Okay. Koskinen has been a league average goaltender this year. That's fine. You know, in a year that goalies have struggled, having just league average is good. There is value in a league average goal. A lot of teams would kill for league average goaltending right now. Yep. Philly would be great if they had league average goaltending. However, he's also 30 years old, hasn't played 30 games for the franchise yet, and he's just been league average. And you gave him $4.5 million per season for three more years. Yeah, this is a classic, like, I'd love to know who they were bidding against. Yeah, you you <laughs> literally could not have been bidding against anyone else because he can't be talking to anybody else at this point. So, I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast uh, earlier today, and Steve had mentioned that he compared him to Carter Hutton. They have the exact same raw save percentage right now, both 9-11s. The difference is, they both played, you know, Carter Hutton played pretty good last year, only played 30 games or so this year. It's not bad compared The difference is, Carter Hutton's three years younger and makes $2.5 million less. And still had a longer NHL track record. Yes, and still had a much bigger NHL track record. Sample size. Like... Oh, man. Like, I just don't understand why this deal needed to be made. No, I, like, they're going to trade Cam Talbot at the deadline. Fine, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. But, I, like, if I saw a tweet today, it was like, okay, we want, okay, Peter, we want, uh, this is Koskinen's agent. We want six, uh, six million over three years. Chirelli goes, hmm, six million, that's Holpe money. That seems like a lot. Agent goes, oh, he thinks we're talking about AAV. How about 4.5? Like, I don't know. Maybe this deal works out. But uh, there's a lot of moral hazard here, too, because, like, Shirelli's job was quote-unquote saved by Koskinen earlier this year. So, like, I keep seeing people saying, oh, it could work out, which anything can happen with goalies. But, I don't know, like, the contract kicks in when he's age 31, and anytime you can lock yourself in for three years to a guy which you hardly know anything about right before he hits the cliff on his age curve doesn't seem like the move to me. No, I don't think so either. Like, And I mean, he had real good numbers on a loaded uh, St. Petersburg SKA team. Yeah. But that doesn't say much to me. And even then, the numbers were, he had a 937 last year. And then before that, he had 916, 915 on the best team in the league. Yeah, like, I'd be so wary trying... Because I did see that get brought up, that he had a great year in the KHL two years ago, but... The, the I would whole be... team had a great year. They lost, like, two games because they were allowed to pick up... I think it was Kovalchuk, Datsuk, like... Yeah, like, there's a reason people say goalies are voodoo, and it's not because they're easy to predict, even with long NHL samples, never mind when you're converting from a different league in which you don't have shot quality adjustments or anything like that. Like, the guy has played 31 NHL games, and four of them were in 2010-2011 with the New York Islanders. Yeah. And you just gave that guy a three-year deal based on the 27 games where he has been average. Well, you, look, he's within about 250 shots of his KHL season last year. Yeah. So he still doesn't have close enough to an NHL yeah, he sample. Played, he played 29 games last year in the KHL. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't... There wasn't much pushback when I said that this was a idiotic idea there's a little bit and then once i said okay but what about this they go oh yeah you know what that makes sense 
Yeah, like they've just clearly like uh, like I said, it's a goalie deal, and like anything can happen. But it's just not smart to bet on that happening. Yeah, and they have lost all benefit of the doubt. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. Like I don't think anybody should be willing to buy an argument that they're playing three D chess on any of those moves at this point. No, if they do somehow work out, it's just okay. Good job. Yeah, like, you got lucky. Sometimes goalies outperform expectations. Exactly. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's move on. Reese, the thirteen minutes I think is enough of just yelling about Edmonton. I think everyone knows they're a dumpster fire. <laughs> One thing I will say is before. <laughs> Before getting on to record this podcast, I saw a tweet saying that Ken Holland could be in the list of guys <laughs> to replace. That. It wasn't an actual rumor or anything. It was. Um, oh, was it just like TSN Simmer tweeting out like a speculation sort of? Yeah, thing? Yeah, he was just like, if the job opens up in Edmonton, uh, Steve Eiserman, Ron Hextall, and McCrimmon are some quality names, but not linked or anything. No idea. Also, keep an eye on Kenny Holland, who is very tight with Bob Nicholson. Ken Holland getting the job after Peter Shirelli gets fired is my new dream. That would be so good. That would be hilarious. I, like, yeah. Like, imagine looking at Detroit right now and being like, we need the architect <laughs> behind these Red Wings. Yeah. I love that idea. Oh, I'm so excited. I hope it just leads to McDavid requesting a trade. Yeah. That'd be that'd be so sad, but it'd be hilarious. Oh, all right. Let's go to another move that makes zero sense. The Carolina Hurricanes traded uh, Victor Rask to the Minnesota Wild for Nino Niederreiter. And one team, I think, very, very obviously won this trade, and it was not the Minnesota Wild. No, it was not the Minnesota Wild. Um, so Nino, Nino Niederreiter, uh, even in the small one-game sample size we had, has already scored two goals. Which is Has the he? yeah? He scored two goals in his debut, which is the anti-Carolina way. Funny enough, yeah, that's hilarious. He's such a Carolina player. Yeah, like he's just a Corsi god. I mean, his numbers were just insane. Uh, and so I guess the the Wilds GM, because I just you know, and even I thought Victor Rask was at least a fine third line C, and his numbers have all just been below average for everything statistically. Yeah, he's not bad on the power play, which inflates like his raw point totals and makes people think a lot higher them than they should. Yeah, and like... I think like his raw numbers, if you just look at his points, are fine, but... I don't even is... know if they're fine this year. I think he has... Oh, they might not be this year, but he has, like, decent priors, at least. Yeah. It's just the fact that most of his... Like, he's more of a power play guy, and he's a defensive train wreck at 5-on-5. Five five. And Nito Niederreiter is the type of guy who, if he could put up points, would be viewed as, like, Marion Hosa. So he had six points in 26 games this year. All right, that's pretty rough. He had 31 and 71 last year, 45 and 82 the year before. That That's fine, at least. But yeah, like, I was just looking at his numbers this year, and his point totals are bad. His uh, expected goals, his shot differential, just horrible. Yeah, his like, underlying numbers are brutal. Yeah, and they traded that for one of the guys with one of the strongest underlyings in the league in terms of relative to where he gets to play anyways. One of the few wingers that actually makes a massive defensive impact. Yeah, so like, I, I don't know, I guess the the GM came out and pretty much said uh, this move was to prove that nothing lasts forever, anyone's vulnerable or whatever. Ooh, just, Minnesota's GM. Yeah, and I was like, that's just not a good, that's just not the move, I don't think. Did you see the Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux comments about it? 
Yeah, uh, Boudreaux didn't like him, did he? Yeah, it was, uh, Boudreaux's comments were what I thought should be required reading for everyone who thinks Babcock's some unicorn <laughs> because he doesn't set his lineups the way hockey Twitter would want to. Because Boudreaux basically came out and called Nito Niederreiter a fourth liner repetitively. <laughs> and he's a guy who looks like a god by any sort of hockey Twitter model yeah. that you want to look at. Or any war model that tries to take defense and everything into account. He always looks amazing. Oh, 100%. And it's not even like Victor Ask is some, you know, anti-stats type guy, like a Chris Russell or a Milan Lucic that makes your team tougher or whatever. Like, he's just a not great player. That he's just He's a center, which is usually a good thing, but Minnesota has a ton of guys who can play center. And, like... Still, it doesn't make up the gap. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but that's something people usually like to point to. I guess, yeah. It just, I don't, the whole thing is mind-blowing to me. I just, I looked at it, and I was kind of like, what? Like, it didn't make any sense when I first saw it. It made even less sense when I looked into it. Um, I didn't get it at all. No, me either. And minute, like, um, I asked if Minnesota gained anything from this trade, and somebody brought up cost savings, but... They're not usually cited as a team with, like, an internal cap or anything, are they? Uh, I don't think so. Like, they're spending basically to the cap right now. Yeah. And even that cap savings one, he was like, yeah, I'm just kind of grasping at straws. Yeah. I don't really. That was, like, the only... And he's a year younger, I guess, but... Yeah, like, I just... I I don't know. I feel like Niederreiter's probably underrated around the league, so you weren't going to get a good return compared to his value anyways. Yeah, he I, seems like a good player to buy low on. Just at the same time, like, I just don't really... I don't really understand how that's the best deal you could have got. No, I would be really surprised if... Like, I guess, if you are using a guy on the fourth line, it's probably hard to turn around and ask for a ton in a trade for him. But, of course, the alternative there is don't use good players on the fourth line. Yeah, you're not wrong there. What? Yeah, like, I just... It's just one of those moves that I don't get it. I don't think it makes your team better, other than sending a message, I guess. Yeah, I guess Which so. is not a good reason to make a trade, in any way. No, not at all. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Niederreiter doesn't put up points, I guess, but his team crushes it when he's on the ice, so I couldn't really care less Yeah, like, how he goes about outscoring his opposition. Exactly. I'd rather... I shouldn't say I'd rather, but like if if I'm not let, if he's not letting up any goals, he's only scoring one every week. Well, you have to pay defense less, so I would probably rather it. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, I don't see any problem with that at all. No. Uh, Speaking of good moves by Carolina, yeah, we can stick on this one. So they re-signed uh, Dave Oteravainen to a six-year deal, I believe, five-year deal, five-year five year deal. For five point four million average, uh, I like. I this is just a fine deal. I thought that was a really solid deal. I don't think it's a absolute steal by any means, but I don't think you overpaid at all. I think it was just it was one of those that worked real well for both guys. I think. Yeah, it seemed like a very fair deal every way. Yeah, to be honest, like it's not like you look at certain deals and be like, oh, the player's getting screwed here, or the the team's getting screwed, or the team's just an idiot, or whatever, like. Yeah, like, it just seems like a reasonable deal for everyone involved. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I saw some people acting like this is going to be one of the best contracts in the NHL in a few years, and I wouldn't go that far, That's but... That's a tad excessive. But, I don't he's, know, I like Teravine, and he's a good top six player. I mean, he's one of the few guys who can really produce points on this team. Yeah, and, he and, seemed like a Nino Niederreiter type, where he was elite defensively, but didn't really put up points, but then last year he started to put up points. Yeah, and this year he's got 39 and 48, and... 
I know yeah. him, him and Aho have been two of the, the best uh, best players or forwards for the Carolina Hurricanes this year. Um, yeah. Teravainen's underlying numbers have tanked a little bit, but he has like a really long track record with great underlying numbers, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. I don't have any problem with it. I think maybe you can... This year he's been real good at entries as well. I think maybe oh, geez. you could... Uh, sorry. Um, you could say that they got a good deal considering what his point scoring has been like the past two years because Teravainen's agent probably could have wanted a little more for... Yeah, they, whatever it was, uh, he had, but he's well, he's had over a hundred points in his last hundred and thirty games or so. Yeah, like they could have played hardball, but since no one else can score on or put the puck in the net on this team. Yeah, but they did. It seems like a good deal on both sides. I mean, yeah, it's very reasonable. He can still cash out when he's twenty nine. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the other big thing is he's going to get another contract in five years, and even if the league has changed to where that's only a four-year deal or something like that, I mean, that's still fine by him. Yeah, he still should get paid again. You know, this is, I forget what this actually added up to. I guess it'd be, what, 20, 27 mil or something like that? Yeah, 27 mil yeah. total. So, I mean, him. And it's perfect. Carolina gets to walk away right as he's about to hit that cliff on the age curve. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much to say about no, this. Probably an underrated player. Very good defensively. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. He came over, if anyone doesn't know, in that Chicago deal that sent Dave Boland to Carolina as well to get his contract off the cap and then sent uh, a second-round pick the other way. Wasn't he Bickle? Yeah, sorry, Bickle, not Dave Boland. Boland went to Toronto, right? No, Toronto tried to sign Boland, couldn't. Was it Florida? No. Yeah, Florida was the one that dumped Boland, I believe. Because Toronto acquired Bowl and then couldn't re-sign him. God, he's moved around a lot for not playing. That is the trade you're thinking of, I think. Yeah, they dumped Bowl into Arizona. Didn't Boland get traded to the Leafs? The Leafs acquired him as like a deadline rental. I thought like, he got traded right after he scored two goals in the Stanley Cup final. Who am I thinking of? In the 2013 final, two, the guy scored two goals to win this Game 7 and then got traded to the Leafs the next day. Did he not? Dave Boland. I don't know. Am maybe I crazy? Maybe I'm crazy. Traded yeah. to the... Oh, okay. He was traded, traded to, to the Leafs. Leafs. Oh, did they have him up for a full season before yeah, they couldn't resign they him? Yeah, because they signed... Well, it might have been a full season they had him for, for the, if, and then they couldn't resign him. Yeah, okay. So Dave Boland... So here we go. All right. So on June 30th, 2013, just days after he had scored two goals in Game 7, uh, they dealt Dave Boland to the Leafs for a 2013 second rounder, 2013 fourth rounder, and 2014 fourth rounder. Um, Gosh, what a Yeah, he then, he then got injured in a Leafs jersey, uh, putting up 12 points in 23 games, and uh, left for the Panthers in free agency. Uh, maybe that's why I thought he was a rental, because he only played 20 games. Yeah, so that's that's what, okay, yeah. Um, where were we even going for that? Oh, yeah. It was so, yeah sorry, Bickle. it was Bickle that came over for uh, Terrifying. And that was a solid deal. That's one of those... Taking on money to get also a good player—the best way to use your cap space. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Do you have any more on Terravinen? I don't have a ton to say. He's just, yeah, he's a good player. Carolina as a whole, I guess. Like, good for him. It was a big week for Carolina. Yeah, good week, I'd say. They really. I guess what they—they they sound like they really want to make playoffs. Um, they might be looking for another top six forward yet at the deadline, which I wouldn't recommend usually. But if it's a buyer's market and you can get a cheap 
top six forward, maybe maybe go for it. They said uh, they were looking at moving a defenseman for them, so I assume that means they're looking long term, not short term. You would think they. I don't know how they haven't moved one of like Falk. Yeah. Or even like I, I said, I think two weeks ago or last week, the Dahan signing just didn't make much sense for me. No, but if you're going to trade Dahan with four years left, you're not doing that for a rental. No, no, no. Of course not. And I mean, I, it makes sense in terms of you want to get as much talent as you can on your roster, but at what time does it come, you know, watered down? Like, Eventually it's time to... Yeah, what time can marginal returns from what you're getting? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The Islanders, by the way, are in first place in the Metro. Yeah, that's Fifth hilarious. in the league. I've been enjoying all the jokes since uh, people screen capping them one spot ahead of the Leafs in the standings. Yeah. About, it was like, uh, the one was about Tavares taking... It was like, you have to be willing to take some losses if you're going to play for your hometown team or something like that. Yeah, Enjoy what you can. One thing that's making me mad with that, I mean, eh, go for it, I guess. Islanders fans thought they were going to be bad, too. Everyone thought they were going to be bad. I didn't, like, the Deadspin article that was, like, ranking teams from best to Islanders or whatever, that was a little excessive. I didn't think the Islanders (laughs) were going to be the 31st place team in the league. No, I couldn't. I figured Ottawa had that locked up easily. The second, Ottawa... Made the Carlson trade, and Henrik Zetterberg said that he wasn't going to play hockey this year. There was no reason not to have the Islanders behind either of the wings or sends. Yeah, like, yeah, I thought that was a little aggressive, but I mean, yeah, like people saying that they're going to be fifth in the or they're like that. Yeah, look at it for writing us off now. It's like, well, you guys wrote each like you wrote yourself off. Also, if you like, I would love to see someone who before the year said. Robin Lehner is going to have a 930 save percentage and be the best not John Gibson goalie in the league. <laughs> yeah, I just don't have anything to say to that. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, enjoy what they can. Exactly, and they, they probably banked up enough points at this point that they'll probably make playoffs. I mean, Yeah, most models have them above 70%. The only team game. that is really chasing them is the Sabres, and they're even there, eight points behind them at this point. And, um, you know, the, the Hurricanes are... Three points behind the Sabres as well, so 11 there. Um, yeah, it looks like they'll make it. I say, I would, it would take a real big fall off from both your goalies, because, I mean, both of them have been fine. Yeah, Grice has been real good. Too. Yeah, so, yeah, you'd probably make a plan. I'd go for it. Like, have fun with that. And they probably just won trots the Jack Adams. <laughs> I would say so, probably. Um, but if, if, like, Tampa is on pace for what? They're on, are they, they've got to still be on pace to break records, don't they? I think they're still supposed to be, or like on pace to be the best team of the cap our, area, right? Yeah, that we could reasonably run. They're on pace for 127 points right now. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> if they like, John Cooper can't not win that award, right? Like, you would hope not. They have a plus 59 goal differential, and the second best team are the Jets with plus 33. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That is just crazy. Oh man, I don't. It's there. Yeah, we'll we'll have to. I don't know. I hate awards. Yeah, me too. So so many of them just seem so flawed. And the Jack Adams is just the goalie award, the PTO award. Yeah, which I mean, I guess you could argue in a way that's a little bit for the Lightning too, because they have had some good shooting percentage. Um, Their goalies haven't been actually yeah, like Vasilevsky in terms of five on five and what he's expected to save hasn't been great. He's got a good no. save percentage because he's playing against a dynamite team, but yeah, they've mainly just been shooting the lights out and then preventing shot quality. So even though your goaltenders underperform, you still, yeah, like Louis Domingue's been doing as good as Vasilevsky in terms of goals saved above average this year. So yeah, I don't know. 
I was going to say, uh, with bye weeks, uh, bye weeks are here. Uh, so 50% of the team has a bye week this week, which means there's a lot less games. Oh, actually? Yep. I and then no you get the three or four days off for the All-Star game, and then 50% of the teams have one next week as well. So that means there's a lot less NHL games this week. I, I guess I was just going to bring this up. and So I like this more than what we had in the past two years. So for those of you who don't know... Um, I, think I am one of those people. Two, two or three years ago, they, uh, the Players Associ- Association negotiated that uh, they want a full five-day rest period where there can be no practice, no games for a team once a week, once a year, sorry. Once or twice. I think it's once. But So what the NHL did last year and two years ago was they... Spread them out, and I get that from an NHL point. You, oh, you, I do remember this. You want as many games as, as possible, and you don't want to have a huge, you know, lull in your uh, scheduling and everything. So they would uh, spread it out. But a couple of the problems with that was one: some teams would have their bye weeks in November, while others got them in uh, February and March. And you would much rather have your bye week in February and March because odds are most of your players are hurt by them, and that's when you really need them healthy. Yeah. The other problem, and this is the big one. Weren't they getting pumped every time they came back? uh, Yes, that was one thing. But what I was going to say is, come the end of the year, you had teams with a six-game gap in between (laughs) each other. I forgot about that. So the past, like last year, Boston at least had five games in hand on Boston, and they ended up catching them, which is funny enough. But... Like it just it looked bad when you looked at the standings. So yeah, what what they decided to do this year was they said you know what you get a three day break or whatever at the All Star game anyway. So we're just going to give you your full week off either right before or right after the All Star game. We're going to have limited games for that two week stretch. Oh well, and then we'll get right back to it. And then everyone will still be on the same pace. Everyone will have the exact same rest, so no team can get an advantage from that. And you can get an extended break because you're at the I think most people are going to get the All Star game off too. Yeah, it's about as fair as you could possibly do it. I think that's smart. I think that, I, like, I understand why you wouldn't want a big gap in the schedule. Like, I mean, I think tonight there's four games on a Tuesday or something, and that's just not usual. But, I mean, Ottawa plays tonight, and then they don't play until February. Like, that's weird. Yeah, we're recording this on the 22nd, so they get a couple days off. They get, I think it's two, and then everyone gets Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off for the All-Star game. And then Ottawa gets Tuesday until whenever February 1st is. Next Friday, for um for the bye week for their bye week, hmm. I don't know, like that's I, I just I don't personally I think that works better. Yeah, it makes and, a lot more sense, and it's just more fair. I think like I get the concerns with the scheduling, but I mean the league clearly doesn't have a problem with it, and they'd rather you know everyone be equal, and I think that's better too. Um, yeah, and if there's a time where you can take a hit in the scheduling it's probably right in january that lull in the season yep. i mean how many people just don't care about what's going on right now yeah. in terms of casual fans i mean heck even i like i was telling my friend the other day i just want playoff hockey to be here i was like i'm not my team's not even gonna be in the yeah. my team's are close they're already eliminated from the playoffs also even at least with the deadline you can kind of feel playoffs being yeah exactly but it's just like in january like we're right in the middle of the season yeah but we still have so long to go and it's just like all right like yeah, just another game, just another yeah. game, right? Yeah, it's like, not close enough you can feel the playoffs, and there's also none of that, like, new season exactly, or anything. Exactly, Um Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think this is very smart. Um, yeah, I agree. I think people kind of tune out around the All-Star game anyways. Um, yeah, I really couldn't care less about the All-Star game. What I will say is I think the league doing this should really put a hole into their whole 
we don't want to shut down the league for two weeks to go uh, to the Olympics <laughs> argument. They'll find a new argument anyways, but I mean, if you're not willing to do that for the Olympics, you probably shouldn't be willing to basically do the same thing. And there's other arguments with that. They're making money off the All-Star game. They still make money off some games. That's fair. I mean, just in general, <laughs> it seems a little weird. But yeah, it does seem a little Yeah, but I think that's what you should be using your argument. It should be a money argument thing anyways. Um, Agreed. But, yeah. I, that's all. I was just going to bring it up and say, good job. The NHL doesn't do a lot of things right, but uh, I think they did this one right. I yeah, I'm pretty it. critical of most things they do, but... Yeah. So um, I was going to ask, do you want to touch on the Anaheim trades? I can't remember <laughs> if we did. They were so just... We touched on the Cogliano one. True. Okay, that's the only important one. I don't think we actually have to do anything else then. There were a couple random ones, but there was a couple just very random ones. But I don't, I don't even remember what they are. Was there, there a Derek Grant one? Yes, there was. Oh, Michael Delzato for Luke Shen in the seventh. Yeah. Yeah, Derek Grant for Joseph Landisi. Yeah, I couldn't tell you anything intelligent. Whoever Justin Clues is for Pontus Aberg. Aberg's actually not horrible. Devin Shore for Andrew Gogliano. We talked about that one. And that's it. Okay, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't want to talk about that. That uh, That's just not the move. Uh, okay, last thing on, on my list then is Matt Duchesne. Oh, God, yeah. The Ottawa Senators have been rumored to offer him an 8x8 contract, and I think I am the only one on Sen's Twitter who thinks this would be a horrible idea. Well, not, yes, a, ba- a bad idea. A bad, yes. There are worse ways to spend money, but there are also a lot better. Yes. So, I'm just going to start off with this. I think Matt Duchesne's overrated. Is he better than John Tavares, though? (laughs) I saw that. I saw that. Um, I don't mean that in Matt Duchesne's actually a bad player. He's not actually a bad player. Matt Duchesne is a very, very good player. It's just he's closer to elite 2C level than he is average 1C level. I would put... Matt Duchesne in that, I think even 25 is probably generous, but 25 to 35 range of centermen, where he's a fine 1C, but he shouldn't be a 1C if you're winning a cup. Yeah. But he would be an elite 2C for a cup-winning team. Yeah, like, like if you he, wanted to draw your line in the sand and was like, Matt Duchesne's the 25th best center in the league, I'd be like, yeah, yes. Sure. All the power to you. Yeah. Now, the question becomes, do you give a borderline 2C $8 million? No. No, you do not. I don't think you do either. Unless he's 20 years old. No, you do not. That's what I think. I will say that I think if you're a win-now team, I could understand this. I Agreed. think It I would th- remind me of the John Carlson contract. Yes, I, I was just about to say. So I think... Which part, we ripped on a little but did understand. Yes, so part of um, being a contending team, and the, the way the NHL cap structure is set up is just... If you want to win, and if you want to win now... You're going to have to make some bad deals in the future. But you sacrifice that so you get the value out of them right now. And then in four or five years when your team's going to be bad anyways, that's when you worry about them. And obviously if you can avoid that, you want to. But it's not, you know, it's very hard to do. So my thing is if you're in a win-now team, I can understand signing Matt Duchesne to an $8 million contract if you think that's what puts you over the edge in terms of, if you already have a very good 1C and you need a second guy. Yeah, well, that was lost in the whole making fun of the Tavera's contract relative to this Duchesne one was like, if you're in a position to win, I understand giving yes. too much term. If Ottawa had a team that was le- a legitimate cup contender or even just a team that has a core that needs to go for it now, 
Like, if they're the Minnesota Wild or something like that, I could go, all right, sure. If you are competitive, yes. basically, yeah. The Ottawa Senators are absolutely not competitive, and they're not going to be. Some, uh, like... No, they are not. If Ottawa be. truly wants to be a cup contender, they're going to have to rebuild, I think, for at least three years after this one. Yeah. And unless they win the lottery and get a franchise centerman that fixes all their problems, and even then, they need to hit on other picks, too. Because what they have in the prospect pool, it's good. It's fine. It's deep. It's just not game-changing. There's no one that you look at and you're coming... There's no Ellie Tolvanins or, you know, like... There's no guys like that where you you feel like they might come up and be a legitimate one first-line difference maker on your team. Yeah, like there's no Elias Patterson who... No. There's going to be articles about how this guy's an alien There's and no Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Like, I like Logan Brown, but man, like, I can't stay healthy and I don't even know if he's going to be... If he's a middle six center, I'd be happy. Yeah. Also, if they lose Mark Stone, I feel like like I feel like everyone knows Mark Stone is great, like amazing. But I still think it'll put the team back even farther than a lot of people realize. I still think Mark Stone's very underrated. I think you get a lot of heads turn if you say he's a top five winger in the league. And I would have a hard time arguing against that. I think he absolutely, especially this year with what he's shown. I think he absolutely is. <laughs> yeah, I think he is the best. Um, like on and off splits for his Corsi that he has I mean, ever since we he's started. a fifty five percent and the team as a whole is at forty three I think yeah which is the biggest which means they're a thirty something team without him on the ice yeah which is the biggest gap since we've started tracking Corsi yeah so like which is hilarious yeah um Matt Mark Stone is very underrated so the Matt Duchesne thing I'll probably write an article about this in a couple of weeks get Mad ratioed on it and probably share it on Facebook and Reddit make it even better. Um, Get all those hate clicks. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, Ottawa's probably going to be, you know, if the goal is to just be the eighth seed like it has been for the past decade, and it still feels like fans want it to be that way. You know, when when I say (laughs) this, like, so my thing is you're asking for results in three to four years from Matt Duchesne. Well, that's when he's not going to be worth it. Yeah, that's the problem is he's not going to be good when the Sens should reasonably expect to be competitive. Exactly. Or, sorry, he won't be worth $8 million. Yeah. So I think we've referenced it on this podcast already, but you brought it up multiple times that your model had him peaking at 23 years old. I checked mine, Corsica's, and Evolving Hockey's. All three of them have him, like, he distinctively peaked at age 23. And then has just kind of fallen off since then. Yeah. And he's still, again... A, it's been a uh, slow uh, trend down. Yes, and... It, peak him back up a little bit, but it's he, But, like, he's a 2 He's an elite 2C, borderline 1C. Yeah. Not someone who you should be giving $8 million to at age 30, or 20, 29, I think he is already. 28, maybe. So he'll be 29, I think, when the contract kicks in. Yeah, that's the other problem is, again, back to the Tavares-Duchesne thing. This like Duchesne's contract's gonna go from twenty nine to thirty six, not twenty eight to thirty four like Tavares, which is a pretty big difference. Especially when the senators are gonna expect to be competitive towards the thirty six more than the twenty nine. That's the thing. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, and in theory you are gonna need to re sign uh Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, you know, Colin White, guys like this. You're in theory you will, you know, maybe we'll just trade them like we do every other if Eugene's still owner, but in theory, you will need to resign those guys, so you will need cap space. Well, that's yeah, that's the other thing, is if you do acquire the players required to be good again, you will have to pay them eventually. Exactly. And, and their ELCs will run out before this Stone contract, or Duchesne contract does. Exactly, and so having a guy who takes up $8 million to, and, like, I don't, I don't know where he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be a consistent 2C in five years. 
I'd be surprised. Or top end 2C, I should say, like where he is now. I'd be impressed if he is. So. Yeah. Um, it just it doesn't make sense. No. You, his results are, I think, a little overrated now. And the big thing is people always cite his point numbers, which are they've been good, and they're he has been re- he's been real good this year, especially too, and then the last year. The thing is, on all three teams he's played, you know, in the past three years he's played on three garbage teams. Yeah, Ottawa has sucked the past year, two years. Colorado <laughs> sucked for the two years before that. So it's like someone's got to score points on those teams. Yeah, like he gets a lot of the power play time. Exactly, which is like so. I'm not trying to like he he would still have enough points on a better team, but. I think his points are probably a little bit inflated because he plays with the best players the most minutes, and someone's got to score in the, in the NHL. It's just that simple. There have also been, like, uh, his on-ice shooting percentage has gone up a lot this year. He's 7% above his career average right yeah. now. And 29-year-olds don't randomly start t- converting shots at an extra 7%. Yeah, like... I know. Like that's just not how life works. I just... I don't know what else I can say. I really don't. But I, I know I'm going to be one of the only people on this train that this is probably going to be a bad idea to sign a contract like this. And I know from Sens, I get it from Sens fans' perspective. They just want to see a star stay. Yes. A big name player stay. That's understandable. But focus that into Mark Stone. Mark Stone. Mark Stone's the guy you should be signing. Twenty. He's three years younger, two and a half years younger. Yeah. He's much much better. So he already has. And like I don't. Again, I don't mean that as a disrespect about Duchesne. He's just not top five in his position. Yeah. Stone's like. God, like yeah, Stone's amazing. Stone so makes this good. team competent, which is like the ultimate compliment you could ever give to a player. It's gonna be weird, but because of the order they happened, Stone leaving is gonna be probably as hard as Carlson leaving. Not quite in terms of just raw shock that we gave up such a good player, but just having Stone leave a year after to add the insult and know what kind of player you're giving up, probably yeah. to a team who's gonna sign him for a good value deal. Yeah, like that's the thing, like. I don't know. Like I, I know some people who don't actually know any stats, and they still think Mark Stone's at like a third line or second line winger because he doesn't put up a ton of points. And I mean that's even false now. He's been over point per game the last two he years. Put up big points he's just goals. he got hurt last year. It's been a perfect timing for his agent that now he's starting to put up points. Oh, goals. for sure. Um, yeah, like I just because he has been an elite hockey player the whole time. He yeah. just looks like Oh, he's always now. been a god defensively. Yeah. And ask any Sens fan and he just him batting down a puck out of midair or lifting an opponent's stick and going back the other way with it is just what Mark Stone is. Yeah. You know, like and it's just you know, and even for the people who are you know, not not into stats as much and they're all about the heart and soul. That's what Mark Stone is. Yeah, he's, he's the, the heart, heart and too. soul in this team. Yeah. Like just even games like this, you just see this team He's not good, and when he scores, he's still screaming, you know? Like, yeah. him and Brady Kachuk are still... It looks like they just it went to the playoffs or something like that. Like, I just don't see him, like... And, I don't know, maybe you can keep both, but I don't know. Or maybe Mark Stone just ends up saying, ah, I don't want to stay. Which I would I wouldn't play him. That's fine. And then you have to trade him at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know, like, if you have the choice to sign one of those two guys, put it into Mark Stone. Yes, agreed. He may even be more expensive. He probably will be because Friedman reported on Thirty One Thoughts. Uh, Kiprios was real certain that it was an eight by eight deal, and then uh, Friedman said that they also offered Stone one. He's not sure what it was, but he believes it was more than Duchesne. Okay, that's reasonable. So nine, maybe eight point five, maybe ten, maybe who knows? Yeah, I would guess probably nine. I'd be surprised if they offered more than Kucherov. 
Yeah, I don't know. Kucherov also oh, obviously took a, took a discount. And yeah. He, he came out and said that pretty much. He's like... I would just be surprised if they started. Yeah, I, I would assume it'd probably be 8.5 or 9. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't... I... Yeah, this... The other thing with the Matt Duchesne thing is if you just bet that signing a 29-year-old to an 8-year deal is going to look bad, you'd be right over half the time. At least over half the time. <laughs> like, it's not even... It doesn't even have to be anything personal against Duchesne, but signing people in their late 20s to 8-year contracts ends terribly more often than not. Yeah, so. like, people people have concerns about John Tavares, and I think rightfully so, and he's one of the best players in the league yeah. that you should have the least concern about, just he's, overall in general. He's probably not going to be worth his money by the end of it, and that's with a guy who's been a superstar the entire time. Exactly! So, like... Because... 28-year-olds on long-term deals get much worse over well, time. And I feel like people just don't really... Like, go look at how many over 30-year-olds there are in the NHL still. Oh, there's it's a, brutal. There's a little more for forwards, but in terms of defensemen, there's like... Yeah, there's I don't even know if there's 30. Like, in terms of legitimate over 30 guys. And the average age has been trending downwards. Oh, slowly. yeah. Yep. Like, the league is getting younger. Oh, 100% is. So, that's this problem is only going to get worse. Yep. Most likely. You would assume so. I mean, like... Yeah, I, I think you 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 said it correctly, like perfectly. It's probably just a safe bet to assume signing an eight by eight to a twenty eight year old, no matter who that twenty eight year old is, probably yeah. won't end up real well. Yeah, like if you want to look smart on Twitter, just rip on every long term <laughs> deal to an old, like an over twenty six person, and you can go retweet them in five years and be like, ha, 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 I was right. Look. Yeah, and. Yeah, the uh, again, I'm not saying teams shouldn't do that because this is the only way players are going to get paid unless we change the pay system. Yeah, there are scenarios where it's but work. just at the same time, it's just like if you're a win now team, it's fine. I understand that it makes sense to do that, really. Yes, it does. But if you're a team like Ottawa who's not going to be good for two or three more years, don't sign a guy to when when he's bad is when you need him when to be good him. and give you value. The league average age of a forward's dropped a full year in the past five seasons. That doesn't even surprise me. I'm surprised maybe it's that little. Yeah. Just in terms of... I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because... No. But, like, that doesn't surprise me. No, me neither. Like, and it's... I mean, just remember back to five years ago. Guys like Clayton Keller last year wouldn't have been playing already. No, probably not. Like, guys wouldn't play one year in college or even their first year. There's so many guys who just get drafted and even make it just for a little bit out of camp. Yeah, I was building an age curve, and a lot of the teenagers come from the most recent seasons more than the 2010-11 yep. kind of things. Yeah, like, even, I'd say, three or four years ago, we just it was really weird to see guys take one year and then jump into the NHL. It'd be two or three that yep. people thought they needed to develop, and then you start to realize, oh, your prime is 23 to 25, so 21 to 22 is probably more ideal to have these guys in still. Yeah. Even 20 and 19. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just the game itself has gone away from hitting. Um, you don't see too many open ice hits or anything, so speed really helps that. And yeah, it's younger guys faster. usually have speed. Like, Yeah, especially since um, the older you get, the more likely, likely you are to get injured. And then you're a couple injuries away from being just done. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. That's all. I think that's, unless you have more to say, that's all I got for this week. No, I would advise strongly against this. Yeah, like the Duchesne deal. Yeah, me too. Um, I'll probably have a post out in a couple of weeks about it. Um, hopefully, they don't sign him by that. Hopefully, they just don't sign him in general. It's tough as that is. <laughs> like, I'd be surprised if he he's went on record and said he wants to play for a playoff team. Yeah, and, that's true. 
Like my only worry would be Ottawa actually gives him just a ton of money for some reason. Yeah, that would. And he's shock close me. enough to his hometown that that's something that people like sometimes. Yeah, and maybe he really likes Ottawa or yeah. something. I mean, I have no idea. It might he may, maybe he doesn't care where he lives at all. But yeah, I saw I I posted about this and somebody responded with like. Well, how much extra do you have to pay him to stay in Ottawa? It's like, it gets really dangerous when you're pretending to know where players like to be. Exactly. Some, like, I don't know, if I was an NHL player, I would probably not give a damn where I lived because I could go fly. But some people really care. Yeah, exactly. I say others might want to only play in Toronto or Buffalo or Detroit or something like that, right? Yeah, like like it's a dangerous game to guess people who you don't know's psyche. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, for me, go check out my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I have two NHL trade rumor posts a week, and the other five days are covered by other people. I've also just been writing a ton, so go check everything out there. I put a post on why uh, the auto centers need to trade Mark Stone if he says he's not re-signing, um, and Mark Stone needs to tell them that pretty soon. Yep. Uh, other than that, go find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Find Chase CM Hockey 66, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.